Digital 410 proudly presents the What's the Scuttlebutt podcast with your hosts, Don Abernathy, Jeff Kopsetta, and Henry Sledge. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the What's the Scuttlebutt podcast, your favorite World War II-based podcast, and we were back after a long delay thanks to the fine people over at T-Mobile. Let me say this. I've been a customer of T-Mobile for 15 years, so I think I paid my due to speak on behalf of Jeff and his family, saying... Nice job with the maintenance, fellas. But now that Jeff's back online and Texas is back into the 2023 year, we are back with a brand new episode and joining us, as always, from Texas, Mr. Jeff Copsetta. Jeff, how are you doing tonight, sir? Uh, man, you know, yeah, like I said, blessing in disguise. Thanks, T-Mobile. It's been great, but I'm enjoying my 5G. <laughs> 5G and a cheaper bill. Cheaper bill. I mean, it's country living, right? I live out here in the hill country, God's country. You can't always get 5G. But when they tell you you're not going to have cell service for the next three to six months. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You know, we're living in a recession. Some could argue an early form of depression. (laughs) Gas prices and prices in general through the roof. And I just so happen to start looking at some great depression photos lately. You know what I noticed, Jeff, before we bring on our guest? No matter how cell service either. A no cell service. Don't even get me started on you know streaming through Netflix. It was an atrocity. But regardless of how downtrodden and poor and hard time having those cats were having, ninety eight percent of them still clean shaven. It's like these guys found an old rusty razor to sharpen every one of them. You know you'd see the occasional pencil mustache, but with the exception of like. I looked through hundreds of photos. I think I saw three to four people with a five o'clock shadow, and that was it. I mean, no matter how bad it got, they still had enough pride in their appearance to get up and just shave. <laughs> and so, I think it says a, a lot. Time, man. Different time. You I bet you they all huddled around a radio, too. Speaking of radio, <laughs> the good old days, you know, I take a little pride in saying that I got to work in radio as it was dying. It hadn't quite died yet, but I got to see the end of the good old days. Yeah. And um, our guest here is kind of trying to re- recreate the real good old days, but in a digital format. Why don't you introduce our guest tonight, Jeff? Yeah, so I am really happy uh, to introduce uh, Ray, Le- uh, sorry, Ray Leota. I said Ray Leota. Tony <laughs> Leota. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no relation. Tony Leota, no relation, even spelled differently. Tony, uh, we've been kind of following each other on social media here for for a while now, and it just, I don't know what took me so long to look up what is WLVN 1940s radio. And it, I don't know. I just, it hit me one day. I'm going to see exactly what this is. Life-changing for World War II historians, aficionados, living historians. What Ray does, Ray. And what Tony does. It's my nickname. I, <laughs> I, I answer to Ray as well. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I'm going to quit talking. So Tony W-L-V-N. can tell us more about WLVN 1940s radio. <laughs> uh, thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Don. Uh, so basically, WLVN 1940s radio started uh, about two years ago. Uh, a buddy of mine, uh, and I, I'd actually had it a thought of doing this for so long, but a buddy of mine that I worked with on the railroad here in Montana, um, he is a 1940s enthusiast as well and really does live the 1940s life 24 seven. 
Um, he's an even bigger antique collector than I am. I mean, I even got my wife into, you know, the 1940s, our whole house, almost our whole house is decked out in the 1940s. You know, my house is from Nice. um so yeah so it's for this radio station is for people that want to immerse themselves more into the 1940s lifestyle and it's also for the people that enjoy the music you know this is some some of the music that i found is music that aren't that wasn't on the top charts on XM radio or um, wasn't sold on CD
if anyone has actually listened to any, even just Andrew's sisters, that's as basic as it gets as far as people's reference to 1940s. They got a song, I forget the title, but essentially the, the chorus is all is fair in love and war. And they're basically advising you as a young lady to go out and get that young boy down the street before Sally does, because she's going to beat you to it. And hey, it's any girl's <laughs> game at this point. Yeah. Any boy you see is up for grabs. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, sexually, they just sang it in a backhanded way to yeah. get around the well, situation. Even, even rum and Coca-Cola. Yep. If you listen to that very carefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, what's it saying? Uh, so yeah, I'm about and like I said, about two years ago, I had a buddy that was really immersed in the 1940s world, and he had on playing on he had a 1935 uh, uh, Emerson, I believe, and uh, he was playing uh, his playlist on his radio um, through an AM transmitter, and nice. I've got one connected to my radios as well. Um, and he goes, you know, I really wish that there is a radio station where um, there was random songs and you knew what programs were coming on. Cause there, there are some great 1940s radio stations out there. XM radio, sure. uh, 1940s.com UK, 1940s radio, but they're, they're not as realistic as some people will want them. Exactly. I was going to say the one thing, you know, the only thing about your radio station, it's not a bad thing, but for people who want, especially perfect example, Jeff's has probably done this or seen people do this living history events. Someone will go out and get like a old, uh, desktop radio that's dead and they'll tear the insides out and they'll put a Bluetooth speaker for their phones in it. Maybe it's made of, you know, the plastic or um, Bakelite. And then they'll just put up a playlist on whether it's YouTube or Pandora or whatever. And they'll, they'll have the Andrews sisters and Benny Goodman and all that playing in the background. But then the Geico commercial comes on. It just it brings everybody <laughs> with the exception of you advertising for your own radio station. You don't get the, you know, Oh, go out and get your, new switch from t-mobile over to verizon <laughs> you know it doesn't take people out of that and so if someone's trying to create that authentic immersive environment that's another great reason for people to stream your radio station to their bluetooth speaker that they have stuffed in a 1940s radio on a table at a museum during a living history event yeah exactly there's actually a living history group in um new mexico um um Oh no, it's sorry, Arizona, the Arizona ground uh, crew, uh, living history. And they do a kind of a boot camp um, every year for new members or whatnot. And um, I think it's either this year or next year. Um, I haven't heard from him in a while, um, but I'm going to create uh, shows for that area that they're in. And I believe it's, I believe it's, um, I forget the airfield's name, but somewhere in New Mexico, it's where the, the, the first atom bomb was was okay. out of um so you know i'm going to what i'm going to do is i'm going to create commercials and maybe some news events of that area that will immerse them even further That's into awesome. into the immersion so i doubt you know we're on the same page because i'm just thinking in my head that would be cool to take a lot of getting together ahead of time but for example just hypothetically we have an event up in Fort Morgan in November. That'd be awesome if you have a you know a news report. This is, right now in Fort Morgan, Alabama, the Marine Corps Collective, the blah 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 blah. And so if they're playing it at the event and people are walking around like what? <laughs> yeah. And so you can just do real time broadcast of the you know the formation of the Marine Corps in Fort Morgan, Alabama this weekend for you know exercise and weapons training and things like that. Yeah. That's just awesome. Exactly. Or, you know, another idea I had for that event is kind of like a G.I. Jill thing. Um, make up uh, names from, okay, this is from uh, the Arizona ground crew, uh, um, PF, FPO, whatever, you know, requesting song uh, 
uh, don't sit under the entry. Uh, don't sit under the uh, apple tree uh, by the Andrew sisters. You know stuff like that. So it's another. It's it's song. in the, it's in the works right now. It's very very um it's very very skinned down. But uh, um, well, we'll there. It, we usually put the plugs in at the end. But just because we're in real time and someone's dry and listening, like oh that's a good idea. We got an event coming up in February. If someone were want to reach out to you and try to organize something like that, where could they email you? At? Oh, so they can email me at WLVN Radio. Uh, at gmail.com or you can go to our website um at wlvn 1940s radio.com and so back to it you had a friend who lives in a 1940s themed house he's got an am broadcast hooked up his computer he said check this out and you're like hmm somebody should do something with that i mean the the main thing that he said to me was you know i wish i wish we could find a radio station that was just like in the 1940s and that's when the idea kind of just went you know what I've been thinking about it. Let's let's put it in gear, and that's when I started, you know, collecting all the files, uh, getting it, uh, finding out how to actually do a radio station, and getting it on air. Um, and it's it's been a blast ever since. You know, it, it it takes some time, it takes some effort, but if you have the love for it, um, you know, it's all fun and a very 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 supportive wife. Yeah, exactly. Now, are you doing that through an RSS feed? I'm sorry. Are you doing that through an RSS feed? Yeah, so I go through radio.co and then I also have a DJ system on my um on my computer that transfers that um broadcasts through radio.co. Very cool. Yeah. So Jeff, you have any questions before I talk for another ten minutes? As I apt to do. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, no, this is great because what you do is so very American, right? You we figure out that there's there's a need for something and there's something that doesn't exist. And we create it. And that's exactly what you did. It's exactly what we did, you know, during that's what made us victorious in the Second World War, right? This type of American uh, entrepreneurship that, you know, that we have an idea, let's make it happen. And you did. And I just, I, I can't tip my hat to you enough because um, as a living historian, as somebody who really, now look, I, I am stuck in 2023, unfortunately, with what I do for a living and everything else, right? Real world still kicks in. I'm not like a single guy and I can just be in the 1940s all day. <laughs> no offense exactly. to anybody who is. <laughs> There's no escaping it, right? But, but there are times where I want to immerse myself and there, you know, Sirius XM's 1940s radio, 19, you know, 40s junction. It's been great. It used to be 40s on four, 40s on four. You know, now exactly. it's on you know, 71, like you said. Then uh, there were times where I would go to it, like, why gone. is this Pitbull? Why is yep. Pitbull singing on the 40s? Oh, it moved somewhere else. Like, yeah. so, like you said, and, and I, I often I've seen how TCM Turner Classic Movies has had to deal with some things. You know, I'm a, I'm fearful that there's not enough drive in the U.S. to keep this stuff going. And I wanted, like you had mentioned, I wanted a deeper experience. And I don't even I don't know if Don even knows this, but I'm also a big model railroader. Me and my dad have a very very large model railroad up in his house that uh, there's a whole room dedicated to it. Right. And uh, it's all 1950s. So when we're we're open for a state tour and we're open for a national tour. So when we're open for tour, you know, we may have 30, 40 people come through for the weekend. And to really immerse yourself, I put together a I wouldn't call it a playlist because I'm not even that technologically advanced. But I had some songs from the 50s. Right. And you got to got to be careful because a lot of Ricky Nelson stuff is more like the 60s. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, oh, yeah. I wanted to make sure there was a lot more songs that 
were 1959 and above than I realized. I thought that was a 50s hit. but So I went through and really got those real good malt shop memories, the Cordells, the Ponytails, you know, Cookie Burns, people like that. Uh, and But then I would, I would uh, every five or six songs, then I would have a Colgate Tooth Powder commercial or the New Plymouth, you know, or Blue whatever coal for your home, you know. And I always wanted something like that for the 1940s. Yep. I wish I'd have found you guys two years ago. I mean, this is, it's <laughs> unbelievable. It's amazing. Uh, you're sitting on a gold mine. You're, it's probably not paying like a gold mine, but <laughs> it, it really is. Man. I mean, it, it really, it's the next level stuff that people like us, living historians, I mean, I listen to it when I'm building my scale model, uh, scale model aircraft, if I'm reading my books. And the beauty of it is radio was such an important part of that generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you pick up any book, any memoir from World War II, they're talking about the latest Bing Crosby. It's the internet um, of the day. Really crudding them out, right? You know? Exactly. Uh, and, and some of those ditties, like you said, that are a little risque. I mean, I had no idea. I just, not too long ago, I was like, what, what the heck is Frim Fram sauce? <laughs> you know, what is Frim Fram sauce? You know, what's your FIFA on the side? And then you look it up and they're like, basically oh, talking yeah. about it. This is what they want you to know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, there's no recipe for Frim Fram sauce. This is a risky, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Um, so that was a big part of the culture. I mean, we listened to radio a lot. That was oh, that yeah. was part of it. Up until recently, yeah. The, yeah. During the Great Depression, like Don said, these guys are clean shaven, and I bet you they huddled around the radio. That was their, that was them scrolling. Like yeah. we do today. What's the news feed? What's going on? They're yeah. huddled up against the radio. Well, yeah. And that was, that was, that was their social time too. You know, they, that's where everybody back then there was no TVs. There was no video games. There was no uh, social media. There was no handheld phones. So the way that you got news was either by talking to somebody or sitting around listening to the radio with other people. You know, that was that was the social media. That was right. their social media, getting together, listening to the radio together. And, you know, in the evenings, and this is what I do on my radio station too, in the evenings, that's when the family got together, you sat down, you ate dinner, and then afterwards, Jack Benny, uh, Burns and Allen, you know, you had all the family uh the family favorites uh radio shows and the whole family sat together listened and laughed you know you didn't have one kid upstairs on the computer one kid uh on his phone you know crying because he can't get internet uh you know if if they weren't outside playing if kids weren't outside playing or if people weren't outside socializing they were listening to the radio they were catching up on on news events and and social events and you know that's that's what i think about when when I was creating this, I was thinking about the people that do live the 1940s style or do want to immerse themselves in it. You know, they'll have their families around the radio listening to these shows. You know, I get letters from I I, I got a letter from a uh, uh, from a woman whose uh, two sons love the Lone Ranger. They listen to the Lone Ranger religiously, um, and I have a YouTube page as well. So if if you miss the weekly show. I post it onto YouTube. So all the weekly um, uh, radio shows I post onto YouTube and people can go to YouTube and listen to the weekly shows there. And um, I, I work for the railroad 
and we've had a couple of mishaps here oh, in Montana that has taken me away from, has taken my time away from it. And so I'm a couple of months behind, but I'm slowly catching up. But, you know, I've had people email, like, hey, is everything okay? We haven't seen an update <laughs> or we haven't seen this. You know, is everything okay? Are you okay? Time I'm like, yeah, yeah, wife. just... Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm just busy. Yeah, well, you we know, get, we're at... that's a good point. Real quick, give us a quick rundown so people can listen to the Lone Ranger on your you're on your station. What's some of the other shows that people may have heard of or haven't heard of that you play on a consistent basis that people can tune into weekly? Yeah, so you have the Lone Ranger, uh, um, Cavalcade of America, Burns and Allen, um, uh, Jack Benny, The Great Gildersleeve. Um, on Sundays, I you know I have to try and find some more. But on Sundays we had um, um, suspense, um, lights out. So it, it's a very wide range. And then as I as I find the news um, broadcasts, I I add those in as well. Um, but Superman was a big one in nice. forty forty one, and then I believe they stopped for a couple months, and then people got into uproar about Superman's not on. So they brought it back. <laughs> so there is actually a time, I believe it was in 41, um, where Superman actually was not on the radio anymore. And uh, then they brought it back and I was able to find more files than that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I play shows for the kids. I play shows for the adults. Uh, the scary show, Suspense, Lights Out, you know, is make sure that I play those at night. Um, just like they did back in the day. And so what I do is I go to radio, uh, radio magazine and in the back of radio magazine and you can you can find it on the internet at the very back of the radio magazine you have a schedule of the radio shows for that month so anytime that i'm putting together my schedule i always go to the radio magazine and make sure that i'm playing it at the right time or close to the right time that it played back in 1943. Um, some shows i can't find on radio magazine so i kind of just place them in places where i think people would be interested in hearing them well, let's talk about that a little bit because you, you fall into a interesting digital realm, and that is, uh, very few people know this, licensing on content, especially music, isn't per song, it's per the actual recording, meaning who owned the recording when that version that you're listening to is recorded, mm -hmm. and most of them yep. are radio, or, or a and R's. But most modern-day copyright policies didn't come into play until 1962 and so the offhand rule of thumb is any music prior to 1962 chances are won't have a licensing on it you can get away with playing it and streaming online unless somebody has remastered it and re-recorded it and then here yeah. we are so my question to you is so you fall clearly in the realm of pre-recording licensing but you also fall right in smack dab in purely analog and so the only access to digital stuff you're going to have is either people who's recorded it radio stations that's found old records and recorded it, or hobbyists who've taken their record players and ran them through a capture device and recorded their grandparents' old records. So <laughs> how did you go about acquiring your ever-growing catalog? And obviously, we don't care about figures, but how much of it did you kind of run into, okay, it's not licensed, but somebody did spend time and record it, and they're, you know, how much of it did you come across easily? And some of it, you're like, is it really worth that to have this in my catalog? Yeah. And, you know, looking at that, so I want to say about 90% of it um, I found on archives.org. 
Nice. Um, you can you can go to archives.org and download a lot of the shows that they have there, a lot of the music. And then I also um, have a license through BMI okay. uh, for the music. So that's where I get most of my music from. So you don't have to worry about those those phone calls and those. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that that also protects the people that play my music as well. If somebody wants to uh, play it for an event or wants to play it in their store, mm -hmm. the music that's coming straight from my feed is licensed and protected. People don't realize that. Uh, every once in a while, BMI might, hey, we need, we need to scrape up some revenue. Let's send some agents out to local bars and see if they're paying for the licenses on their jukebox. And that's exactly thing. that. That is a thing. <laughs> Yeah. And when I first started, I actually did not know um, about the 100 year license. Like a, a lot of the music has a 100 year license on it. Mm -hmm. So when I first started, I'm like, hey, this is everybody will love this. This is fun. And boom, I put it on there without even thinking or actually knowing too much about the radio world or the music world, anything like that. Um, until somebody had said um, something about licensing. I'm like, Maybe I should look this up. So I looked it up. I figured, hey, 1940s music, it should be, you know, it, it's 80 years old. It should be in, you know, it should be public, you know, public Unless music. you come across that one track that was redigitized in 1994. Yeah, exactly. And so um, I was like, you know what, to be safe, I don't think anybody's really going to raise a fuss about it being in 1940s music, but... Um, just to be safe. And if somebody is playing my music station in a store or event and whatnot, I want them to be protected as well. So I just paid the money for the license and now I don't have to worry about it. You know, I see it as a sign that we're starting to get more traffic on this website because I've gotten two emails from the fine people at the image copyright. I got an email about on 9-11, I posted a picture of the Twin Towers. I got a, hey, either you need to pay for a license or take that down. I'm like, hey, we're getting enough traffic there. We're showing up on these sort of things. So clearly I took the photo <laughs> down. I wasn't going to pay for it. But I'm like, yes, we're gaining traction, boys. They're looking out for us. They care if we're putting copyright images up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Some people are funny about that and other people. You know, most, most everybody, because uh, I, I have a Facebook group as well. Um, you can look at it's 1940s radio, uh, WLB and 1940s radio Facebook group. And, um, you know, I asked people on there, I said, hey, I'm going to have to shut this down for a little bit um, until I get my license because I want to do things the right way. I want to do things the legal way. And, yeah, I got 95% of the comments on there was like, hey, just, you know, I don't, nobody's going to care if it's 1940s music. But you could have that one, that one inspector go around and want to raise something and uh, all of a sudden whoever's playing my music could get in trouble or you know send me a letter a letter to stop and desist you know so just to be safe and allow my listeners to continue enjoying the radio station i just went ahead and got the license how early do you go because keep in mind yeah it's 1940s radio but you can listen to 2023 radio and they're going to throw in that track from 1987 once in a while do you ever throw like a 1932 mm -hmm. song in there i mean how oh, back well, early do you go so so I go from 1940 to 45. So all of the music and all of the radio shows that I have and news and commercials are from between 40 to 45, the war years. Basically, I wanted to focus on the war years. But if you do need to fill space, it would not be unauthentic to throw a 39 song in there because at that time they would have been playing the oh, hits yeah. from five, six years before. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, it, yeah, everything is from 45 and, and beyond. Um from 38 and beyond, it's kind of hard to find good 
sounding yeah. music um and radio shows but yeah i mean for a while there uh when jack benny was on vacation i would play his shows from 38 and 39 as a as a filler you know reruns um but yeah uh, mainly i focused between 40 and 45 jeff was talking earlier about the importance of radio of the time in the era and here's all you need to know and i never really thought about it until i heard a, a, a korean war vet talk about this when the korean war vets came back from the korean war they were surprised at the lack of welcome home parades. They didn't have large crowds like we had in World War II. And you think, well, it wasn't the same thing. No, television was invented. And so in the 40s, in World War II, people came out to see the spectacle that they're hearing about on the radio. But now they can sit at home and watch it on TV. And so when the guys came back from Korean War, they got to the docks kind of expecting the same welcome back that their brothers or their fathers got, depending on their age. And it's like, oh, no one cares <laughs> because they're watching yeah. it at home on TV. <laughs> And so prior to the advent of TV, radio was it. Yeah, exactly. And you know, if you go on my on my um, on my webpage, uh, um, the first thing I have on is my YouTube my YouTube introduction, and it really explains how much of a staple radio was back then. I mean, it was a lifeline. You know, you didn't you couldn't you couldn't call. Like here, we dial a one and then three numbers, and we can call Washington D.C. or we can call Michigan or we could call New York with no problem. You know, to call long distance back then, it was a hassle. So the only way that you felt connected to the other side of the world or the other side of the United States was through radio. Well, and speaking about the other side of the world, or especially across the pond, we were kind of talking a little bit before the air where. Uh, before we came on the air, you've got probably maybe just as many or more listeners in Europe uh, than here. And that's an interesting dynamic that we come across more than once mm -hmm. on this show with uh, World War II vehicle restoration projects in England. You get Jeep parts, no problem. Uniform pieces. And I think Don really says it best is the evidence of the war is still there. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting to hear that also they um there's a need for wlvn across the atlantic as well yes and you know i look at my analytics on my radio station and i've got five or six people that have the radio station on for it's been over five or six hundred hours that they've had the radio station just running the whole time and that's why i created the radio station so you can just flip on your radio and here's the music you know you don't have to connect to a bluetooth and do this and do that if people know how to set up their antique radios with an am uh, transmitter and then tune it into that trans tune to the radio into that transmitter you can have 1940s radio playing 24 7 all you have to do is click on your radio and it comes on just like in the old days explain how that works connect everything so, so yes, i have explain how that works <laughs> is that through the app <laughs> yeah so um you can buy on eBay. It's an AM transmitter. It's a little box like this. And I have a Bluetooth uh, receiver connected into that that's receiving from my computer. Gotcha. So my computer is transferring into the AM transmitter. And then the AM transmitter is tuned into my antique radio. Like the real estate people so, use when you pull in front of an open house. It's turning into AM 120 and you can... And they're, this house go. is three bedrooms with two baths restored in 1974. Yep. Yeah, I got you. Uh, yeah, I think they call that talking house. I tried one of those AM transmitters and it didn't work too well for me. But um, the, they're, they're very ficky. Um, 
you you can't have a lot of electric um, static around it. So you you can't you have to place in an area of your house where you don't get a lot of um, electric intrusion. That'd be cool um, if someone like, made an app that actually broad you know your phone transmitted a twenty foot AM signal, so you could just tune in on that. That'd be pretty damn cool. That would be great. Yeah, just make one. There you go. <laughs> well, you know it's funny you say that. Um, if you obviously a lot of our audience are living historians but if you go online and like google vintage 1940s clothes not not world war ii uniforms not living history but like oh you know i want to get me a nice 1940s era suit a lot of the modern day authentic reproduction clothing are on european websites definitely there's Mm -hmm. i don't know if it's their form of hipsters over there for young kids you know hey instead of wearing skinny jeans i'm gonna dress like my great grandparents did i don't know if that's it's a thing over there or it's definitely a lifestyle but yes there's way more interest in that era of clothing music and everything than there is here oh yeah big time uh most of my clothes i i've got it and my wife always makes fun of me for it but you know i have i have high-rise pants you know high hip pants and Mm -hmm. yeah it it, and really it really to to wear those pants and it i know it's just pants but uh to wear those pants you know it feels like you're really immersed into that world and you know a lot of people don't realize she she makes fun of me she's oh you're wearing grandpa's pants (laughs) but anthony's like if it ain't if it doesn't have an 18 inch (laughs) zipper don't even bring it over here (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) but you know a lot of people don't realize that that was a style back then you know they wore their pants on their actual waist yep over the belly button yep over the belly button that's you know in the military where do they tape you they tape you around the belly button you know, um, they don't wear it in what we call a waist nowadays. Yeah, it's funny because I've been to probably three, uh, a lot of times tactical events, but I've been to three events where someone will be sagging their HBTs or their airborne pants and they inevitably rip the crotches at them because they're mm-hmm. hanging down. It's like, no, you got to bring the crotch up to your crotch and then it's not hanging down and then they won't blow out. You have to, you got to pull them up. That's, you got to weigh them, wear them, you know, and it's funny because people in the 80s and 90s why do old people wear their pants up to their belly buttons because that's the way they wore them when they're 20 just like now you're seeing girls walking around like they did in 1993 and they still have the shrub on the front of their head like yo it's 2023 cut the shrub off but you know <laughs> some people just stop in their era and that's the way it is exactly so you well, say what you will about grandpa but he kicked some butt in the 1940s so oh I yeah oh, absolutely. <laughs> no, I definitely went out no my grandpa was a uh, was a duck driver in, on D Day, so I definitely would not. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, definitely would not mess with. He'd, I, I got to when I was in um, middle school. I did a report on him, and um, he. I actually was able to get his journal that he had during the war, and uh, I think my uncle has it now. But a lot of stories. I mean, one story that he has in there is, um, and my grandfather, huge TV watcher. I would go over to his house with my dad as a kid, and he would have three. TVs on at the same time. One is Jeopardy. One is Price is Right. Game show, nut. But he loved movies. He loved TV. And this one night, they're having a um, a movie showing. And his buddies want him to go to the theater with them. Uh, but he goes, no, I'm just, I don't feel like it tonight. I'm just going to uh, work extra, you know, driving supplies back and forth from the ship to beach. Well, that night, a buzz bomb came over and landed on that theater wow. and killed every single person in that theater. Wow. Yeah. And you talk, talk about lucky. Wow. Yeah. Decision making at the last time, last minute. Yeah. And, and this, I'm, I'm telling you, it, I don't think I've met anybody 
anybody else in my life that loved television or movies so much. And um, yeah, he, he's like, no, I don't feel like it tonight, guys. And I'm just going, I'm just going to work some more, bring some more supplies to the, to the shore. And yeah. And then uh, that happened. So you just, you never know. Yeah. You never know when you get that gut feeling. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm an instructor with the railroad and I tell all of my new hires and said, if, if, you get a gut feeling about something that's that's something that you need to follow um being in the military you know you you follow your gut feelings so you know it's funny i didn't realize until recently i mean i i seen him as a kid but i never wore one but yeah for you living historians out there you're your dark and light shade HPT hats are nothing more than a train conductor hat minus the stripes and it's all green. Same, same, same ring, same short bill, same six peaks. It's basically a train conductor hat made out of different material. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I had my engineer hat when I was an engineer. Had my, my dark blue bibs, my, my light, light blue shirt and my, uh, my, uh, they, what do they call them? Uh, a laborer's hat. What is that? What material is that made out of? That's made out of the, uh, is that seersucker? Oh, it looks like one of the seersucker suits that doesn't wrinkle the stripes on it. Yeah. <laughs> very similar to that. So how many, how many songs do you have in your catalog right now, whether they're in rotation or not? Um, or I guess I should say to uh, modernize it. How many gigs, how many terabytes of files do you have on your hard drive? Uh, let's see. I can, I can bring that up right now. Um, songs, the last time I looked, I believe it was 12,000. No, not, um, not to get too buried in the weeds, but I did work in terrestrial radio and at the time they hadn't upgraded the software yet. And it was a little out of date, meaning that it wasn't AI like the new software. And once again, I'm not trying to go in the weeds, but when the program director would fill out his day of music in, in commercial spots, he would fill it out where it's, you know, 24 hours long. But um, songs, they fade into each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so if you have like 0.5, you know, seconds or, you know, half a second, those half a second of fades add up. And so by the end of the day, now you're Big like, time. oh, I got to find 38 seconds or I'm going to have dead air. And so when yeah. we have a live radio show and my host would go on vacation and I would edit best ofs to, okay, I need you know, 25 minutes here, you know, seven minutes worth of commercial break here and one 15 minutes here. But starting at two, then around five forty-five, I would have to come up with about, you know, a minute and a half worth of content because commercials fade over top of each other. They fade in, they, they, there's an overlap and that time builds up. Nowadays they have software that figures that all out and they have files that they automatically choose from. But when yeah. you're planning your daily schedule and you're like, okay, I need, I need content from 12 a.m. to 12 p.m. Does the way you do it, are they overlapping? Do you find that you have to come up with 38 seconds worth of filler at the end of the day? No, actually, I, I use a really uh, good program called Play It Live. Okay. And so I just load all of my music into um, into that system. And I've got a it's got a it's got a um, a program to where you can create clocks. So my one clock is at 15 minutes. So every 15 minutes I plug in a commercial and then every 30 minutes I plug in my 30 minute um, station ID. And then at 45 minutes, I plug in another commercial. And then at the top of the hour, I plug in my station ID again. Um, And then everything is just automatically filled um, with songs. So when 
on usually it's about Saturday or Sundays when I plug in my shows for the week. So I'll do a whole week or if I'm feeling really bored, then I'll just do the whole month and then not have to worry about yeah. it for, uh, for the rest of the month. Um, so then I'll just take the show and plug in the show from my computer files into that DJ station and it automatically gets rid of the songs that will be playing during that time. And it automatically adjusts um, when it needs to shut off or when it needs to um, go a little longer. And I can manually do that too by putting in page breaks. So I can put in a hard page break. So at um, with my station IDs, at 30 minutes, I've got a hard break there. So no matter what song is playing or how long it's playing, at 30 minutes, it stops the song and then starts my station ID. Same thing with the top of the hour. Uh, I have the Glenn Miller show that plays at seven, uh, seven o'clock every, every evening, Monday through Friday. So whatever song is playing at 6.59 p.m., it stops right at zero at, at 1900 or 7 p.m. and plays the Glenn Miller shows. Jeff, do you know why so radio stations have to do a station ID at the top in every half hour? Most most basic reason pull something out of the air uh no clue it's so that when someone gets offended they can stick around long enough to find out what radio station is so they can complain to the fcc it's basically it i was driving down 41 and i heard this curse word and i didn't think they should play it at that time so i had to stick around till the top of the hour to find out who the radio station is so i could write a sternly written letter (laughs) it's exactly what it's for Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, thinking about uh, when going back a little bit, but you talked about your little intro, what is it, like three minutes maybe that talks about the importance of radio when you go, man, that is like pristine. I've played that many times. And when I first, uh, when I first got on there, that's what I hit thinking like that was, that was the radio show. And then it stopped. I'm like, what the heck happened? I'm like, oh, that was just a little intro thing. That is so. That is so well done. I, I would love to see. If, is there a way like we could link that on on what's the scopes website? And stuff yeah, we can like include that, the... that. Is just yeah. yeah I'll take this. I can it's add... definitely it's on my YouTube page. So if you guys need to use it, how about it? Yeah, yeah. we'll embed it into the page uh, for on WTSPWorldWar2.com. Speaking of which, yes, if you have an app, there's multiple apps. But how I do it at work and you don't want to download extra apps, it's just go to WLVN1940sRadio.com, and you scroll down, you hit play, and it plays right from the browser. And like I was explaining when you and I were talking last week when Jeff was nowhere to be found, uh, (laughs) um, I listen to your station at work because what I find is obviously a lot of the 40 stuff is instrumental, but some of it does have singing. But I find I can turn it down low enough that it doesn't because I'm an IT guy and I'm reading support tickets all day and working on servers. But I can play it in the background, and it doesn't distract me like modern day songs do. And you know, whether it's it's funny, my boss walked in one day. I didn't have my earbuds on. I was just coming on radio. He's like, "It sounds like the 1920s." (laughs) 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 You're off by 20 years, but close enough. Yeah, and it's easy to read too, as well. Yeah, I'm I'm a big reader, and you know, I could sit out on my porch, put the 1940s music on, and read at the same time, and not be distracted. But you know, if there's you know, certain, you know, music that, you know, my, my wife likes the newer age music. So if she's listening to newer age music or she loves the eighties, so she listens to her eighties music, that's kind of, 
I don't know what it is, but it's harder to concentrate while reading when listening to that kind of music. I don't know if it's just the tone. You know, the 40s music was more of a softer tone and it, it had a it had a good beat to it. So mm -hmm. your mind really got into a beat, just like when you're reading. You know, it's almost like the same beat when you're reading. Um, and it's a very it's more of a mellow tone than some of the modern music. So you can come home and take off your Work clothes, you put on your smoking jacket, get yourself a nice three fingers of bourbon and turn on WLVN 1940s radio and just sit there and ponder today's activities. And that's why I created the station. Let me ask you this. Radio TV all the way up until 83, 84 after Johnny Carson had sign-off. Did radios in the 40s have sign-off times or were they 24 hours a day? Uh, as far as I can find, they were 24 hours a day. Maybe not in the smaller towns, but like New York, Chicago. Oh, they probably yeah, were. smaller town. They definitely had, um, um, I'm sure they definitely had shutoff times. Um, I haven't really done too much research on that, but I know in the big cities, I mean, you you, you had music playing at 2, 3 in the morning. You, know, you had night shift workers. So, you know, of course, uh, NBC and, and whatever, you know, catered to. Um, the night workers in the big cities and whatnot. Um, but yeah, definitely small towns. I'm sure there's probably a, you know, uh, this is the, this is the end of the radio yep. uh, broadcast for today. You know, everybody have a great night and play the national anthem or whatnot. Um, but yeah, I guess when 98% yeah, of your demographic are farmers and they're going to bed at 8 PM, there's no reason to pay someone to play music to nobody in the middle of the night because <laughs> they didn't have automated <laughs> systems. You had to pay someone to drop that, drop that needle. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, most of the, most of the radio stations, you know, I, I live in a real rural area here in Montana and, um, the, the city that I lived in before Livingston, Montana, um, had a, uh, old radio station out there from the, uh, late 1940s, uh, early 1950s. And it was a, it's a small station, you know, it's not like a huge corporate building. It's just a one or two, uh, state, you know, one or two room station, um, probably manned by just one or two people. And, you know, once, once the work day was done, that was it, you know? Absolutely. Before the show come on for the people watching on YouTube, uh, over Jeff's shoulder, he has a, uh, a 1943 Philco. Well, so from 39 to 41, it was essentially the same, uh, model. Um, mine on the back in grease pen, I'm assuming it's an inspection date, maybe. It says 12-5-41. I'm surprised there's not a label. Chances are on your major components, there's probably a label in there. Because I have a Philco, a 31 Philco, and there's a label that actually has the copyright date on it. There's several copyright dates on this label, if I remember, and they run from 39, 40, and 41. Very so, cool. yeah, yeah. But, yeah, that was, a, that was a neat find, and... You plug it in, it, it lights up, it squelches. I could pick up some AM, believe it or not. Um, I'm really interested on Tony's idea, though, with a little little deal to kind of put WLVN just. Yep. Man, the, AM, the AM transmitter? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And as crazy as it sounds, and this will mean absolutely nothing to modern people, how cool is it to hear your sterile digitized song get a little warmth to it from the tubes on an old radio? It's got to sound pretty I, I, nice. Yeah, you know, there is 
no better sound than to hear the 1940s music come through a console radio. And there's no better I mean, ambient it, light in a dark room than the lights it, coming off the back of the tubes. Exactly. You know, it, it, it's just like, a you know, what's that movie? The Christmas story at the very end. You got the lights out, the trees on, the snow's falling, the radio's on, the lights on. Yeah, that, it's just the the picturesque of of radio, you know. And you know, just like I say, even it, my mother in law, um, uh, my wife is from the Philippines, and my mother in law uh, just uh, got approved to come here last year. Nice. Um, you know, her mother grew up in that time of the 1940s and 50s music, and that's all she listened to. So my mother in law actually plays my station all day on my 1941 uh zenith radio all day that's while awesome. i'm at work she plays my radio station because it reminds her of her mother that's um, great. which is great you know i come i walk through the door when i come home and 1940s music playing on my radio i love it nah, you're yeah, using it's just up like... my bandwidth <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, and we get, I, I get letters all the time uh, from like the, the most ones that hit my heart the most is letters from people whose parents lived in that era um, are dealing with dementia. Mm -hmm. And I get letters saying that, hey, when my parents listen to your radio station, it really helps their dementia because it brings them back to the time that they were the most happiest. So it just, I mean, it, it almost brings, it, it almost brings a, 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 a warm, warm, fuzzy feeling, a tear to your eye, knowing that what I meant this radio station to be has gone beyond what I thought it would be, you know. And there's something, too, that we were, we were having a discussion on my other podcast, the What's Your Head podcast the other day about the importance of music. And I brought up the fact that music embeds itself into one's memory so deeply that, you know, whenever you hear a song, you think of a time in your life. Well, that is one of the few memories that does not get erased quickly from, I almost want to say victims of Alzheimer's because they basically are victims. They're not in control they of are. it. And that is the one sense of, sense of, uh, sense of smell and um, thought through uh, memories through um, songs are like the last remaining things for people suffering from Alzheimer's. Yeah. And it's not only them, like the, the, the lady that I told you with the two sons, you know, um, you know, they have uh she, she wrote me a letter and said, Hey, you know, uh, my sons, both of my sons have uh, ADHD and it really calms them when they're able to listen. And not only the Lone Ranger, you know, they, they don't not only love listening to the Lone Ranger, they love listening to the other radio stations or the radio shows that I have playing. And, you know, when I created the station, I never knew that it would go that far. I knew that, you know, the people that love 1940s music would listen to it. Now, you know, maybe some reenactors, maybe some people that uh, immerse themselves in the 40s world as much as they can. But to get letters from people saying, hey, my kids love your show, um, the, our whole family listens to your show, um, or, you know, your, your radio station really helps my dad's dementia, you know, and he starts remembering stories from back then, stuff like that. You know, it, it really, it really brings a sense of pride about the radio station and a sense of awe that I had no idea that it would have that kind of effect on people. You know, I just did it for something fun. Hey, my buddy said, Hey, I wish we had a 1940s radio station that played music and shows. And I said, okay, I'll create it. And 
it turned into it turned into something that actually helps people. Two things. Here's a suggestion for um, Jeff since he has the automobiles. Um, most 1930s and 40s era cars had two speakers in them at best, so you can go back to the old Bluetooth wireless speaker, turn on your radio station, throw it in the glove box, and it'll sound like it's coming out of the two dashboard speakers as you're driving down the street. So that'd be cool. And or you can get the or you can get the AM transmitter and yep. it's battery powered as well. And you can tune your your car's radio. Not only that, but a, any car within fifty feet will pick it up too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um the other thing I was gonna say, oh crikey. Oh um you kind of were reaching on it reaching into it before, but then I stepped all over it. Um, when it comes to the songs that you've acquired, obviously we all know the ones that we hear on every other playlist, every other service, but you've come across some stuff that you've never heard before that you've played. Is there any particular song that you were surprised by that maybe got feedback through email or Facebook by people saying, hey, I've never heard that song before. Hey, who is it by? And like, it's kind of like the WLVM 19. 1940s radio top 40 chart winner like is there songs that you're surprised that people request or seem to uh, like no, so much more not really um i haven't really got emails about you know hey you know i've heard this song what is it um the only actually the only one that i got email about um a guy emailed me and there's a commercial a canadian commercial that plays on the radio and it says it, it's saying that you cannot live in these certain areas without a permit. You have to huh. have a, a permit to live in these certain areas. And he wrote me, he goes, I have never heard about that before. I never heard that you had to have a permit in Canada to live in certain areas. Awesome. Do you have any more information on that? And I've looked everywhere. I, I looked everywhere. Maybe somebody listening to the show can enlighten me a little bit more on it. Um, but um, yeah, I, I couldn't find anything on having to have permits to live in um, uh, certain areas in Canada. Jeff, you got anything? Uh, I, I'm just, eh, I can't say it enough. My hat's off to you, man. It's just such an incredible idea. And to, just listening to the impact that you've made in such a short amount of time, I mean, that's just, in just two short years, it, my mind thinks, what is this going to be like five, ten years from now? You know, um, and like I said, this this era, uh, it seems in, in, in contemporary times can be extremely misunderstood. Um, it can be very stereotyped. Uh, so for the people who truly do appreciate it, understand it for what it is, um, you know, like I said, with these other things that are kind of being under attack because all of a sudden, it is what it is. Okay. We live in, in today's day. So to know yeah. that, you know, like I said, there's somebody like you that's keeping their memory alive. I mean, you've done more. In, it doesn't matter what uniform Don and I put on. It doesn't matter what living history event. It doesn't matter how much brass we bust, you know, trying to keep history alive. You've done it from the comforts of your home and in, in just such an amazing way that it's just, it's awesome. We're just so glad to have you on the team. And, and to have you on, and I hope every one of our listeners has already or will check you out and, and start getting you some airtime because it's unbelievable. Um, you know, just you don't advertise, <laughs> you don't really, <laughs> <Nor> do <we. laughs> yeah. No, it, it's 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 been more of word of mouth. You know, I'll, I'll try and throw some some things up on Facebook groups, you know, uh, here and here and now. Um, it's so hard, but, on yeah, Facebook. It's, 
Yeah, yeah. If we if if we have a special show coming up, or if we have the World Series coming up, uh, yeah, I'll throw up some advertisements about that. Um, but yeah, it's more. This radio station has been more of word of mouth, and it's for people that really want to listen to it, really want to um, have that immersion into uh, the 1940s world. Yeah, I'm not saying that I'm not open to anybody listening to it because you know. I would love everybody in this world to listen to 1940s music and see the, the, the specialness that, you know, that music has. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I really don't do a lot of advertising. I don't, you know, do any uh, advertising on, on other radio uh, stations or TVs or, you know, the most advertising I do is on Facebook or, uh, you know, Instagram. Now, earlier you hinted around that your house has a lot of 40s themed stuff in there. What is the most, I don't want to say extreme, but I've seen, you know, cats who go as far as even their everyday refrigerator is from the era. What is the one of your modern day appliances that you have reached, swapped out for the 40s precursor to that, that maybe your wife gets annoyed with? Uh, <laughs> you know, my wife has been very, very, um, has been very, very on board with my love for the 1940s. So she really doesn't get annoyed at all. Um, I did when we did move into the house. I tried to, um, I tried to push her towards getting a uh, vintage refrigerator and maybe a vintage uh, range, um, but she uh, she didn't like that idea. So we've got a we've got a, a modern day modern day fridge. And when we finally swap out the range that we have now that came with the house, um, um, she she loves the style of the vintage ranges so yeah. i might i might win on that one but she loves the victorian period like our couches are victorian um i've got a 1940s wingback chair that is is you know it's daddy's chair daddy the, the man in the house always had a, his chair right yep. he came home from work and he had his cigar and his drink in his Watch chair you. read the evening Watch paper you. um but yeah so all, most of our furniture is um is is 1940s or uh, styled in the 1940s or Victorian area? You know, is your old lady a baker? She like to bake things. She loves to bake and she loves to cook. Because that KitchenAid stand-up mixer hasn't changed much in the last 80 years. It looks like the 1940s model. So you can <laughs> pick her up one of those, and she would not be upset. Uh -huh. Get one of those bad boys put in the kitchen. Oh yeah, she loves she loves the vintage utensils. Like we found a a, a vintage uh, egg beater, uh, so she she loves using that. Um, uh, yeah, so I, the mixer might have to be next. Two things: I'm probably one of the last people you'll ever meet who can say they smashed their thumb on a ringer washer. Uh, <laughs> growing up poor in Kentucky, we lived in my family's farmhouse that had been around from the 1800s. And because we, this is 19, well, I was born in 78, so this is the early 80s, um, my mom was struggling at the time, and she went down in the barn, and they still had the freestanding porcelain tub washer with the ringer in it, and you just plug it in, you fill it up with the water from the water hose, and then when it was done, you'd run it through the, the, the two wheels. And I, like, I was like six, I got my thumb stuck in there, put it on in reverse! And so I, I had the luxury of using a ringer washer in the 1980s, and um, oh, what was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, I done lost track now. But yeah, ringer washer, my thumb. Oh, that's what I was going to say. 
one of the things we all like as historians and antique collectors, and we hear it all the time, things don't last the way they used to. Things don't last the way they used to. We live in a disposable society, which is true. Um, I cut the cord not too long ago, and I have Roku TVs, and on the Roku channel, they play Prices Right, the Bob Barker era, 24 hours a day. And so you're you're watching the Showcase Showdown, and they show this refrigerator from 1974, 1980, and depending on how early it is and so you're trying to adjust for inflation like okay well you know that would be 900 nowadays so that would be 300 back then no refrigerators were freaking expensive back then a lot of that stuff was because and also the thing too like if you guys watch uh, stranger things like if you're in your 30s or 40s you watch stranger things or that movie with jessica beale um i think it was cookie or something where she ended up killing her neighbor takes place in the 80s like i'm watching those shows and i'm like my mom had that. My grandmother had that. And you realize, oh, it's not because that stuff was popular. It's because they had less manufacturers making crap. And so everybody's house had the same coffee table, the same cotton owl, the same uh, fisheye mirror with the eagle on top. We all had that same stuff. But it was all expensive because things weren't mass produced like they are nowadays. And so sometimes you'll think, okay, this is 30 years ago. The value of the dollar is less. And so you, you put a lowball price on it. It's like, no, a refrigerator in 1978 you know, is about as much as that Samsung stainless steel two-door <laughs> freezer on the bottom is nowadays because, and that's why it lasts. It's insane. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, back then you, people had more respect for the things that they had. You know, because especially those that grew up in the Depression, mm -hmm. you know, they had more respect for what they had. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you can say that things were made to, to last back then because you had you had uh, radio repairmen, you had refrigerator repairmen, you had, you had a repairman for everything. But more of why everything lasted so long back then was because people had respect for what they had they didn't just oh hey i could go get i can go walk down the store and get another toaster and they throw that one away you know no you you couldn't just go down the store in those days and and buy another toaster you know if, if you go to my website wlvn 1940s radio.com uh there is a section on that website that and it's called fun facts and you can see it in 1943 how much a house cost, how much a car cost, what the average wage was uh, during there. And you'll see that, you know, a, a car may have cost $900, but back then you were only making $900 to $1,000 a year. Let's put Jeff on the know? spot. I'm actually on your website. Jeff, what was the cost of a brand new home in 1943? I'm going to say, let's see, 1943 uh you could get a dodge no we're talking house house right now we're bucks. new house uh, oh i'm gonna oh, okay. say five to seven grand three thousand six hundred dollars for a price of a new home what was the average annual income so if a house cost three thousand six hundred dollars wow. what do you think the average and the average wages per year were 1500 1400 Close. Two grand. Two grand? Yeah. That's what you're doing. <laughs> how, how, how bad would we love to pay $40 a month in rent? Oh, my God. I remember in 1999, before I moved to California, I was only paying $450 a month for a two-bedroom townhouse on the west side of Columbus. Boy, those were the days.
Uh, cost a gallon of gas, 15 cents. The average price of a new car, $900. Bottle of Coca-Cola was 5 cents. Yeah, I love when you see the old uh, photos of how much it costs to outfit a soldier. It's like, I wish I could get an M1 Garin for $12.38. <laughs> Not going to find that around anymore. Once again, that is WLVM1940sRadio.com. And you there's like you have like three apps, right? Three cell phone-based apps? Yeah, so we got the, uh, the website, WLVM1940sRadio.com. Uh, we have the YouTube page, so if you just uh, Google nineteen or WLVN 1940s radio, and then uh, we have the Facebook page, WLVN 1940s radio uh, Facebook group and page. Um, but you can also listen on many, many different um, uh, radio platforms, such as uh, GetMeRadio.com um, or uh, Radio um, Radio Box. Um, radio.net you know there's a lot of platforms that not only did i sign up for but i'll search wlv and radio and all of a sudden there's platforms that show up that i never even signed up for so i don't know how that happened but um yes there are many different radio platforms not just on the uh on um on the website that you can listen to and i've got the most my most favorite ones listed on the radio uh, station that i found are most um that they work the best you know you don't lose connectivity um that much so Speaking of websites, now that once you're done visiting WLVM1940sRadio.com, head over to WTSPWorldWar2.com. We have, putting, have been putting a lot of work into our website. Um, I have been posting a lot more stuff on our Instagram page. If you guys haven't, if you haven't seen our Instagram page, I'm post, trying to post on there twice daily now, different content. But head over to WTSPWorldWar2.com. Jeff's working on a thing where we're going to start kind of listing uh, links to our eBay auctions for some of our World War II material that we're trying to get rid of. Um, as we said a few weeks ago, we have World War II vet information resources. If you're trying to look up your uh, family members, people who have served, we have our uh, page of um, those who were there. Those are shortcuts to the interview podcast we've done with uh, veterans and people who lived during the time. Um, for you living historians, maybe you're just getting into the hobby. You want to know well, where can I get some of this stuff? Go to our page, click on Quartermaster, and I have links to the primary sources for uh, living history gear. Plus, whenever we come across cool stuff that maybe you never heard of before, like DK Canvas Liquid Blanco that you want to use on your Marine Corps webbing, your haversack, your webbing, the, it's the right shade. It's the pretty much the same material that they used back then to treat your web gear. We have links there. We have links to the um, We Stand Alone reproduction stuff. And so if you're trying to find some cool material to fill in your impressions for your next Living History event, you can find that information there. We have all our mail call emails for people who sent us email. Speaking of which, we want to hear from you. Send us an email to mailcall at WTSPWorldWar2.com. That is WWII.com. And while you're there, click on the Patreon link on the homepage. It says support the cause. Um, and I'm sorry, back the attack. Well, actually, back the attack will take you to our clothing where you can get shirts like the one Jeff's wearing or the ones I'm usually wearing, including our new What's the Scuttlebutt meatball logo, as Jeff likes to call it, um, with the guy with the canteen. And then... Patreon link is right on the homepage. Please like and sign up for Patreon. It'll cost you a dollar a month. We're waiting to hear back from uh, the sponsor. We're going to give. We're going to have two more giveaways coming up over the next month and a half. We're just waiting to hear about the prizes per se that we're going to be giving away. Um, if they come through, it's going to be very exciting. So you definitely want to head over to Patreon, sign up. It's a dollar a month. That goes a long way to support what we do here. As Tony knows, um, 
these passion projects do come with a price tag and some overhead. And yes, they are minimum compared to other um, businesses people run, but it is overhead nonetheless. It does come out of the pockets and the family income of the people who run them. So if you enjoy our content and Tony's content, I'm sure he has ways you can support his his projects. And um, the way you can support us is either sign up through Patreon or, you know, kind of my reference earlier about living in a modern day second round of the uh, recession or depression. You know, money's tight. I get it. Um just watch our YouTube videos. Doesn't cost you a dime. We are monetized. And uh, for every video you watch, you might scrape us together half a penny, but that all adds up. So you can support us that way as well. And so before we end the show, we're going to do what we've always do, and that's the beloved segment of the show. What you reading? Jeff, what you reading? Don, I thought you would never ask. I have been waiting to talk about this book for quite some time. We haven't talked about it on the show. I haven't. The fellow who did 15 years of the research that made this book possible is the one who talked about it. And I'm talking about our good friend, Dennis Blocker, who's been on our show multiple times, not just as a guest, <laughs> but as a co-host. Uh, he's really helped fill the gap and uh, back the attack, you might say. So thank you, Dennis, for that. But hard this is the book that Dennis referenced uh, multiple times on, on the show the story of his grandfather and what he did and his buddies did on LCI gunboat 449 in the shadows of Mount Suribachi at Iwo Jima two days before the Marines landed. Uh, the LCI gunboats were charged with uh, deploying the underwater demolition teams, maybe frogmen to go in and clear the lanes uh, for the Marines to hit two days later on the 19th of February. And unfortunately, these eight boats were completely devastated by uh, Japanese fire from Mount Suribachi and the beaches. So uh, it is an unbelievable story. You're going to get, you're going to get to know these guys. Uh, Mitch Weiss is the uh, Pulitzer prize winning author of this book. Dennis did the research. Mitch is the one that pushed it out. Um, you're going to feel like, you know, them. you're going to feel like, you know, what their laugh sounds like. You're going to feel like, you know, what these rooms smell like the cigar smoke playing cards uh, and I want to read if you if we got a minute, I'd like to read two quick excerpts Bef because it has to do with radio. Before you do, now, before you yeah. do, re say the name because as so it happens, your audio dropped out when you said the name, and there's people at home listening. What's the name of the damn book, Jeff? So give the That's name all of the I've got to say about that. Yeah, give the name of the book, and then you can read your <laughs> excerpts. Heart of Hell, the Heart of Hell by Mitch Weiss, the untold story of courage and sacrifice in the shadow of Iwo Jima. Again, it's about an LCI gunboat crew uh, at Iwo Jima. Unbelievable story. So I can set the scene real quick. There is an officer uh, by the name of Byron Yarbrough who is writing letters to a Betty Jones in Cordell, Georgia. Uh, Betty is a friend of a sister of one of Yarbrough's buddies, and his buddy noticed that Yarbrough is not really getting a whole lot of mail from back home. And uh, just like we mentioned on the show many times, how important mail is so he said hey you know is this a uh, sympathy letter book <laughs> is this a sympathy letter book the guy felt sorry for his buddy and he like conned it. i'll give you a, i'll send you you know you can have my allowance for the next five years if you send my friend steve a letter <laughs> <laughs> well uh, it was it was quite an impactful uh offer apparently because byron yarborough and betty jones have gotten very close I'm not finished the book, so I'm not. There's no, uh, there's no spoiler alerts we have to go through here. But uh, 
uh, just to set the tone, uh, Byron, uh, as his buddy says, assumes the better the Betty letter pose quite often when he's writing these letters. He's writing a letter now almost once a day. He's receiving a letter almost every other day from Betty. They've never met. They have no idea. Um, you know, they just uh, just met through letters. And they feel like they know each other. And every letter, they divulge a little bit more personal information about their families, about their, uh, their you know, just what they like. What are they interested in? And and this friendship is really, really developing. So uh, Byron's pretty fond of this girl. And he signed off his last letter, Love Byron, hoping she would notice the love part. So um, in, uh, let's see, in her last letter, Betty had asked Yarbrough what kind of music he liked and more details about his family. He said he liked big band music. They had just gotten some V-disc records, and I'm having a good time trying to learn all the new songs. They sound sort of funny at first, but then you get better with each playing. I like Glenn Miller's Poinciana and Fellow on a Furlough. Do you like popular music? Skipping ahead, much of Byron's use of love excited her. Betty wasn't ready to write that herself. She couldn't let him think her overly forward. She knew he could read it clearly enough between the lines. She folded the letter to the sound of violins, followed by Frank Sinatra's smooth baritone. She stopped. When Your Lover Has Gone was one of her favorite numbers, a torch song with melancholy lyrics. When You're Alone, the magic moonlight dies. But tonight, Betty didn't feel sad at all. No, she was hopeful. When Byron returned, they'd be together. She was sure of it. Many of these letters that you're going to read when you read The Heart of Hell, uh, these are quoted. Mitch quotes, he pulls a lot from these actual letters between Byron Yarbrough and Betty Jones. And as you're reading through, you will see how important the music is. The things that they like, the same songs, the same type of music they like. Uh, and I thought that was just wonderfully fitting uh, with, you know, our guest tonight <laughs> with, uh, with, with Tony here from WLBN. Um, again, man, well done. Awesome what you're doing. Loving it. Going to give you as much airtime as possible, as much advertising as possible, because it's, it's like I said, it's that much deeper. You can, you can wear the pants and you can, you know, you can know the lingo and, and you can bust your thumb in an M1 Grand. But it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you need to, you need to go to like antique stores and look for these V-discs because I'm looking at it here on Wikipedia. It said many V-discs contain spoken word introductions by band leaders and musicians mm -hmm. wishing good luck and prayers to soldiers. Glenn Miller in December 1943 introduced a record by saying, this is Captain Glenn Miller speaking from the Army Air Force Training Command Orchestra, and we hope that you soldiers and allied forces enjoy these V-discs that we're making just for you. It'd be cool to get those and like lop off the V-disc reference, but kind of have them be openers to the songs that they sing. That'd be kind of cool to include on your station. Oh, actually, there I have a whole load of V-discs nice. um, files. And if you listen um, every seven every seven p.m. Uh, mountain time, let me put that seven p.m. mountain time. Um, I have a Glenn Miller show for a half an hour. That's just just Glenn Miller Beautiful. music, and you will hear some of those Vedas um, played. You know, just like you you read out. You know, this is Captain Glenn Miller. This song is for all of you fellas out there that are missing their girls back home. And you know, they have those introductions, and every V disc. Uh, we'll have those kind of introductions. Um, you know, you could have one from uh, uh, Judy Garland, you know, you know, 
a Judy Garland introduction or a Benny Goodman introduction, a Bunny Berrigan introduction. It's very, very uh, unique for these service members. And it was that morale boost that they they had that, hey, we're not we're not forgotten over there. It's that connection. And that's what music was back then. And that's what radio was back then. It was a connection. And that's what people craved here. We nowadays we have forgotten that connection. Our connection is, you know, through um, video games or social media. And it's just, you know, and that's the times, you know, we, uh, we, I mean, we're here on YouTube or, yeah. you know, and, and my, my state, you know, I have a Facebook page and whatnot. Um, and it's just the times it's, it's our time. That's what's our time is. Uh, but back then they didn't have that stuff. Their connection was through letters, through radio. Um, and just like if you look at, if you um, um, uh, Google G.I. Jane, the G.I. Jane or G.I. Jill, sorry, uh, G.I. Jill show, uh, soldiers would actually write into the G.I. Jill, G.I. Jive show and request songs. And before she played these songs and she was a she was a female DJ before she played these songs, she would read out. This is from Sergeant uh, Joe Smith from um, ship uh, FPO, AE, whatever, or from the uh, 101st Airborne station in France right now. And then she would play, you know, those songs. So it was a connection that these servicemen had um, to their families back home and their families had a connection to their soldiers over there. You know, when they hear their soldier's name on the radio, Hey, this, you know, uh, Joe Smith is requesting this song and Joe Smith's wife is listening or mother's listening, you know, just hearing that name, just knowing that um, he physically wrote into that radio station to play this song was proof that he's still alive. He's still safe. You know, it was that connection back then that, um, a lot of people don't get real quick because I have a short refresh rate on my memory. Um, I, I am going to ask you what you're reading. You, you didn't get out of that, but there's a cat on TikTok. <laughs> he has a voice. He's, he, you know, he's a short little guy has the, the center part, but he sings just like the 1930s voice set the world on fire. And he plays the banjo and all this, but he found this company and I'll have to go find the video and I'll send you a link to it. There's a company who got a bunch of like old school handsets like modern day handsets but from landline phones that no one can sell anymore and what they did is they reversed the polarity and they put a um a standard microphone input connector on the speaker side to thus turning into a microphone and it gives it that 1930s 1940 radio microphone sound and they sell these oh. they sell them with the uh input on them and you can plug them in and he was talking into it like a microphone and it gives you that 1930s 1940 sound and I guess they sell these hand receivers that way. And um, I'll, I'll try to track down the website and send it to you. You might be able to recreate um, old commercial break shoes, and it might sound pretty cool on your radio station. Oh, that that would be great for um, uh, for the the live event that um, I'm trying to create for uh, the Arizona um, the Arizona um, ground crew. I guess some I guess some audio files discovered because of the low quality speaker they would use in those old handsets. You know, just the white ones that you would sit the hang up on the you know on the base on your wall. They they literally mm -hmm. plug it into the speaker instead of the microphone, and it gives you that tinny voice sound. It's pretty cool. Oh wow, that would be awesome. So, uh, hey Tony, uh, what you reading? <laughs> well, right now I am reading the fall or the rise and fall of the Third Reich. Um, I I kind of go in waves. So sure. I I spent maybe three or four months studying on the Pacific Theater. 
and now I'm working on the European theater. Before that, I was working on um, the German Air Force and the American Air Force. Um, so I, I kind of go in waves. But um, the, the 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 rise and fall of Third Reich um, is actually written by a correspondent that lived in Germany uh, before Hitler uh, came to power and through uh, the war. Uh, so it's very well written out, and it, it's funny every so now, every so often, he'll throw his own little opinion in um, on some of the higher rank Nazi officials that he has actually met before the war started. Wow! Um, yeah, so it's it's very interesting to hear this guy's opinion on 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 Goebbels or on uh, on Goering. Um, it, it, it's really interesting. Um, but one book that I do have to really put on a soapbox out there if nobody's read it i'm sure every historian and every world war ii lover has read it but if nobody's read this story a higher calling mm -hmm. so was that you or henry was talking about that not too long ago wasn't it was it henry who was talking about that jeff so i thought i think that came up on the show not too long ago somebody's taught reading it i think are we talking uh makos's book a higher call a higher call, yes. Oh gosh, yeah, we talk about that all the time. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I just I just heard from Adam a couple days ago. As a matter of fact, oh uh, wow. yeah, oh yeah, we talk a higher call. I I, I talk about that book <laughs> all the time. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah Makus is he's been a guest on on uh, WTSP before, and we we stay in contact with him uh, pretty regularly and. And uh, follow his projects, and of course, after Higher Call, you have to read Spearhead. You got to read Devotion, even yes. though I get it post World War II. But yeah, yeah, we we give that to make us a lot of love here at WTSP, and yeah, it's well deserved because he's he's the man for sure. Oh yes, and he's yeah. also but, yeah, a that... new Southwest Florida resident. He lives about forty five minutes from here, so he's he's a neighbor now. <laughs> Y'all can have that heat. I like my cool uh, temperatures here in Montana. My brother did about 10 years in Big Sky before he moved to Vegas. <laughs> Beautiful country. I was out there absolutely 1995, I think. It was the last time I was in Montana, but <laughs> but I enjoyed it while I was there. Um, oh, yeah. Before we wrap it up, uh, Jeff, you got any plugs or anything you want to get out down the pike that's coming up your way? Uh, well, I, uh, if it's not too premature and, you know, Lord will and the creek doesn't rise, then... Uh, AT&T Towers Don't Fall. Next Monday, I'm excited to announce our guest for next Monday. For people who are listening now, make sure you tune in. We are going to have a good friend of mine come on who is an incredible uh, General MacArthur slash FDR reenactor, impersonator. He is the West Coast MacArthur out of Culver City, California. Uh, you can probably do a deep dive on my social media to find some pictures of him that, that uh, him and I have done at uh, different living events, uh, history events here in Texas and uh, Wings Over Dallas Air Show, things like that. So uh, I just wanted to give uh, a little little wet the appetite for next Monday. He's just an incredible guy. And uh, like I said, he's he is he is the man when it comes to when it comes to MacArthur, for sure. And I want to give a real quick shout out to Standard Issue Coffee. I got my bag of uh, Night Ops Dark Roast coming. I'm going to take us to work tomorrow and uh Consume it there, where I go through about four cups of black coffee each day. And we Get want to thank WTSP mug in my WTSP mug. And I want to thank Mr. Tony Leota for coming on. He's from WLVN 1940s Radio. You can find that over at WLVN 1940s Radio.com. Tony, do you have anything uh, you got coming out of the pike you want to promote? 
Uh, nothing, nothing yet. Um, yeah, it's it's summertime, so we don't have a lot of a uh, a lot of uh, high traffic radio stations going on. But come the end of September and in October, we got the great Gil the great Gildersleeve back, and Jack Benny will start again in October. So if you're a Jack Benny and a great Gildersleeve uh, star or uh, Burns and Allen uh, fan, uh, make sure you guys tune in uh, starting in October. Uh, they will be back from vacation then. I totally blanked on the name, but I was trying to look it up real quick, but I couldn't remember. About four or five years ago, I came across it wasn't Benny Goodman; it was another another clarinet fella. He's playing a song. I think he wrote it in like '39, but it was like literally, oh, the Beatles took that entire riff. It was like the first time I heard a song of that era that a modern day band had stole the riff from. It was like clearly a Beatles song. I, I wish I remember what the hell it was, but if, if I ever come across it, I'll send it to you. And you can compare the two and get a good laugh because uh, I was listening to it one day. But we want to thank you for coming on the show and thank each and every one of you for uh, supporting what we do here over at WTSP. For myself, Mr. Jeff Copsetta, and Tony Leota. we will talk to you all next week. And this is what you call stretching because I forgot to pull this up. But here we go. This has been a Digital 410 production. <laughs>